Hello and welcome to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry and we continue with our in-depth look into films made in the noughties decade 2000 to 2009 and for episode 37 we're going to look at one of the most cinematic films of that decade. It's the futuristic bleak adventure drama film Children of Men. Directed by Alfonso Curran and starring Clive Owen, Julianne Moore, Chiwetel Ford, and Michael Caine. It's one of those films that really grounds you. It tempts for you to be in this horrid 2027 futuristic portrayal of London. I mean, it's only, what, six years away? And from the way things are looking at the moment, I mean, Alfonso may have got this portrayal of London spot on. This is a film he did 14 years ago, so only time will tell. Children and Men is a film student dream for a film like this to be out, especially in 2006, is just remarkable. The long takes with the ridiculous background action where we wonder how much preparation went into the set design the timing of the explosions the the rehearsals the actors must have gone through it's just insane and this is pre-1917 where the entire film plays out in one shot this film however doesn't do that it offers multiple long takes in the movie however yet i find this film more impressive than 1917 there's something about the world we see in the movie that is just just about familiar to us, but it's just so raw and it's aged and it's moved clearly in the wrong way. And an event has happened where people have panicked. And you can just tell this from the opening 20 minutes and it's beautifully done. The irony of the dirt, the grayness of this film actually is one of the film's beauty as it rarely deviates from the tone. In fact, it stays like this for the entire movie and it's everything from the costume and color from the character, the color the characters are wearing to the circumstances of the scenes. And they're not even sugarcoated. It's just broken and authentic there's a scene in the movie where they're escaping a house and they're trying to steal a car now in the born identity movies or any action films the scene would take a couple of minutes take a couple of seconds and then the movie's done they steal the car and then they drive away but in this film we see such a build-up to it attention to it a breaking into the car without being seen and b the car breaks down halfway down the hill and in the background we see them being chased and i think it's just one of the it's one of the long takes in the movie and it just adds to the realism and tension from something that's you know we're so, we're so used to seeing in a matter of seconds as a story connector Look, i've clearly rambled on here without even giving you the basis of the movie if you haven't seen it children of men it's based on a book by pd james and there is a really slightly big difference in plot between the movie and the book so the premise of the book is that women have suddenly and unexpectedly become infertile and the movie opens with the youngest ever person in the world dying, who was like 12 years old. And it's like a global mourning, kind of like when Princess Diana died. So women can't get pregnant anymore. So the world is apparently going to die out soon, which is, you know, what logic suggests. So they follow this activist, or we follow this activist called uh, Theo, who's played by Clive Owen. And he's been taken by an old friend. And to his surprise, there's a woman there who's pregnant. And to the shock of this community, and only him and a bunch of people know about this. So they want to keep it a secret and get her away to this sanctuary, which is off the coast of England. England at the moment is turmoil. It's like civil war. So he agrees to get her to the coast on this boat, to this sanctuary. And that's pretty much the plot of the movie. And as most films, you have these obstacles and barriers and, you know, that challenges their journey. And it's a fantastic film. And it's just the way it's been done by Alfonso. 
So I mentioned earlier there was a big difference between the book and the film. Now, in the book, it's written that men can't produce any sperm anymore. So it's a slight little tweak. But I believe the reason for the change is quite obvious because the visual of a pregnant woman whereas sperm isn't as cinematic and it's harder to kind of portray. But like the scene where Clive Owen finally finds out that this woman is pregnant, where she opens up her robe and you see her bump, it's just beautifully done with the score in the background the big reveal it's just amazing is and i don't know how you'd be able to do that with sperm it's kind of a bit confusing but yeah so the film the film's director was an unknown at the time well unknown to a contemporary audience alfonso curon he's a mexican director before this he did a few films in his native country and he even got an oscar nomination for one of them in 2003 for writing so hollywood knew about him but not many people did in terms of like scorsese or tarantino he wasn't a name that everyone you know flew off the tongue if someone said director's so he did um, Great Expectations with Gwyneth Paltrow, and then he was asked to direct the third Harry Potter movie, The Prisoner of Azkaban, and that was recently voted the best Harry Potter movie of all time. So there must be a reason why. And to be honest, if you look at all the directors that did the um, the Harry Potter movies, he's the sort of more the more artsy of them all, the more established one, I think. Well, Chris Columbus is quite established, but he's the one that sort of focuses on more serious films. So I think there's a correlation there to be made. Now, he hadn't even read the Harry Potter books when he directed Prisoner of Azkaban. Instead, he cemented his vision based on the screenplay and what J.K. Rowling told him, which is a very interesting approach. And following from that, he never read Children of Men either. So Children of Men was his baby. That is where he was established, enough to show his trademarks, more independence and leeway to how to do a film on his own. And we saw this in Children of Men, the wide angles, the handheld shots, the long takes, the relentless moving camera work he does in this film is amazing. The film at the time, I mean, it wasn't attractive by the director. I mean, it, I mean the film, it was more attractive for, uh, for the stars of the movie, but after seeing what he's done, people may revisit his earlier work to see him do what he did best. It's like watching Inglorious Bastards and loving it and realizing, oh, this guy, Quentin Tarantino, did a film called Reservoir Dogs a while back. I'll check that out. And then you watch Reservoir Dogs and realize, wow, this film's amazing. So it's kind of the equivalent of watching, uh, you know, uh, Gravity and, and uh, going, oh my God, this is a film. This is great. Who directed this? And then watching Children of Men. So. Um, you know, he, he he did Gravity, which he did, uh, which he did really well at the Oscars, and he did a couple of films, uh, a couple of films after that as well, completely different from Gravity. It was called Roma, um, which actually won him Best Director at the Academy. Actually, both films won him Best Director at the Academy, which is quite rare actually so he won best director for gravity and best director for roma both of which i think roma's on netflix and gravity's on sky uh, at the moment so he became the first mexican director to win an oscar for directing he's also the first ever person to be nominated for both directing and cinematography in roma and he is one of 10 directors to win the golden globe directors guild bafta and oscar for the same film and he's the first one of the 10 to have done this twice for Gravity and for Roma. So you can see why this film, Children of Men, was quite a big step for cinema lovers. It was clearly the start of a great auteur, kind of like how Reservoir Dog was a big start for Tarantino. Children of Men was nominated for three Oscars, even though the film wasn't even released in the Oscar season. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't nominated for any of the big five, but for it should have been for directing. Uh, however, Alfonso was nominated twice for editing and writing, and the other nomination was cinematography, which was um, which is a given. 
but it didn't win any of it. It just received a lot of raving reviews, and rightfully so. Like I said, it was the start of great things to come in the future for this director and for the whole crew of this movie. So I mentioned earlier that he didn't even read the book, and he said that he didn't want to compromise his vision for the project. And P.D. James, the author, was extremely pleased with the movie. And also, J.K. Rowling was actually really impressed with his uh, interpretation of um, Prisoner of Azkaban. So I don't think he's doing anything wrong by the way he's doing this. He was sort of going for the Battle of Angiers look for Children and Men, almost like a documentary that happened in 2027. And that was sort of his vision for the movie. And many thought this would be a good opportunity for this sort of Blade Runner-esque backdrop. But he said it wasn't the vision he was going for. He didn't imagine it like that. And I think it was at Cannes. um, Someone asked him about the movie and what his approach to making a film was. Which was by um, which was by the member of the press, and he's now he's now a member of the jury on the Cannes Festival now. But he was saying that he didn't want to make a film that ends when the credit rolls. He wants to make a film that sort of begins when the credit rolls. The film's really beginning, which is what he does in Roma as well, and he does it again with Gravity, which is what I think I just think is an exceptional way of making a film, a great way of doing a narrative. It's a fantastic structure. You caught in the middle of the world and then something happens so in essence he skips the beginning and goes straight into it with clues about what the beginning was and he just stays in the middle and the ending of the film basically works well for the beginning of another plot like in gravity you start in space there's no build up when there, there's no build up to going into space it's just the characters are there in space and then we have this situation that happens like 10 minutes in and the last shot is Sandra Bullock stepping on earth which is basically the beginning of another story not the end so I think his philosophy is beautiful. He does it with Children of Men, he does it with Gravity, and he does it with Roma as well. And in Children of Men, spoiler alert, by the way, Theo manages to get her to safety despite him dying. So we're now at the beginning of another chapter of this woman who is pregnant, but she's safe. So that's great. So what happens now? It's another story. And I love that way of storytelling. It's hardly done. And it's a refreshing way of doing a film. There was a lot of chat and talk about why the movie doesn't explain why women are infertile. In the movie, that's the situation and, you know, that's what the world is now because of that. And someone asked him at another festival, he asked, they asked Alonso, uh, Alfonso, sorry, about this. And he passionately said, there's a kind of cinema I detest, which is a cinema that is about exposition and explanations. He once said, it becomes a medium for lazy readers. Cinema is a hostage of narrative and i'm very good at narrative as a hostage of cinema well he ain't wrong to sum up he's basically saying not all things need to be explained you just have to accept the world that you're watching and figure out what they're going to do about it what would you do about it and that's the whole point of it to explain it would be ruining the art in 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 an essence so like i said earlier the film opens up with this event of the youngest person dying and we follow clive owen who plays theo in this movie and I think this is his best film he's done. This is the film that he should be... She, I, don't, I don't think I've seen Clive Owen in anything that's better than this. He, This is the film, maybe Closer. Closer was a good film, but this is the film that I think Clive Owen should be remembered for. He's absolutely fantastic in this movie. If there's a film, that, you know, it's like uh, Kevin Spacey's best film is probably Usual Suspects or Brad Pitt's best film is probably Seven. But the, yeah, Clive Owen's best film is definitely Children of Men. But the opening scene is him watching the news at this cafe, walking out of it in this futuristic but dull Fleet Street in London. And then the cafe he was just in explodes. And it's all in one take. And it really sets the movie's tone right there at the beginning. That scene, by the way, where the explosion happens on Fleet Street just so happens to be filmed just two weeks after the real thing happened in London by Al-Qaeda. 
And also, which is really cool, if you look carefully in the very long shot, you can see a tall structured building behind Theo, which you'll probably recognize now. It's called The Shard. But the film was made and shot in 2005. They didn't, sh- they didn't even start constructing the Shard until 2009. So there was a lot of talk about the building and the designs of it way before it was even built. So it was public knowledge, basically. So they used the designs to digitally added. They just added the um, building there because they knew the location of where they were going to eventually build the Shard would be round about there. And I just think the attention to detail in discovering that is amazing. And it looks spot on, to be fair. Couldn't even notice that it was fake. You'd, you'd probably think that this film wasn't made in 2006. So that I, I just love those little bits in movies. But it's another testament to the direction of this movie. Everything in this movie has been thought out thoroughly and with stupid OCD detail. I mean, most films are. In a good film, they focus on the really little things, and that's what this film does. Almost every shot in this movie has an animal in it, usually a dog or something. Just add into this thought of humans dying out and animals just ready to pounce, slowly becoming more present, and you hardly notice it, but it completes the shot. It's like an apocalypse now, where every shot, or most shots, contain a sound of a helicopter, which is added to the backdrop of this Vietnam environment. And this is what Alfonso does in this movie. And speaking of animals, by the way, and notice how every animal in this movie likes Theo. Every nice, another, it's just another nice little detail to his purity and his attentions in the movie. You know, the cats at Jasper's, the dog at the farms, um, which by the way, they say the dogs don't like anyone, but they like him. Even the kittens that jump on his leg. It's just another little subtle indication of Dio and his, you know, what he is as a person. And people tend to sympathize, uh, you know, tend to sort of agree or, you know, like people who love animals. And also the whole theme of animals now becoming more dominant on Earth because of this extinction of Earth, um, of humans. And yet animals still tend to seek his attention, which is fitting for the movie, since his very attention is what could save humanity. And I'm not spitballing this. I'm pretty certain this is how Alfonso thought of this. Otherwise, why have these random scenes where kittens crawl up his legs, you know? Like I always say, nothing in film is by accident. The way things are framed, the way the lighting is, it's all done on purpose. You can find these clues everywhere. In a world where there is gunfight everywhere, he doesn't even touch a gun. At no point in the movie does he even flinch to touch one. That's another indication of who Theo is. And he also never smokes an entire cigarette in this movie, which if you want to delve deeper into why, then it's the film's way of saying that he was washed up, but now his life has a purpose. You have to finish this task. The smoking is the cancer, and you've you've had that life, but enough is enough. You've got this task that you need to get this woman to safety. So it's just these little things, these little mundane, trivial things that, you know, connote these big messages that if you look carefully, you might even get. But yes, there's no denying the thought of every single detail in this movie. I mean, take away the explosions, the mass crowds, the long takes, the pregnancy scene, the streets of London, the, the you know, the CGI blended in with reality of the sets. They had a lot on their hands to make this film quite authentic. But there is one standout scene that the production design team really struggled with in terms of time and effort. And it was... You know, there's a scene where Clive Owen uh, gets kidnapped and he gets taken to a room and it's all covered in newspapers. It's actually quite near the start of the movie. And every story on every newspaper had to be created, especially for this scene, even though you you don't even see him, really. They barely glimpsed that. And it's just another... I, I just love people. I just love people who work really hard for things that you just glaze at for like two seconds. So that scene where there's 
thousands and thousands of newspapers and every single one of them has been thought out thoroughly with made up stories about the last 20 years which hasn't even happened yet the studios were very concerned for this movie and this approach to direct and i mean they had it before but no they had no idea who this director was and if he could pull it off one of the many scenes with a long take was this street battle scene towards the end and it's where we follow theo and he has to take shelter behind this building while there's a war going on basically with blood gunfire rocket launches while he's protecting um the and the baby and and this one shot excuse me alone took 14 days to prepare just for this one shot and every time they had to do another take it would take five hours to reset the shot so when the studio find out they got annoyed and they tried to rush it or they just said look just scrap the whole idea of putting it together like this but thankfully they managed only to it in two shots so that was good it only took them two days and one of those shots, they the one they used in the movie, the one that's in the final uh, the final shot in the, final, in the movie, is thanks to some persuasion from the cinematographer because um, they had blood splattered onto the lens and Alfonso was about to yell cut. But luckily his voice was not heard because of the sounds of the tanks and the gunfire. And so that is the cut that exists today, which I think is really cool. So you can actually, the blood spatter is still in that take. So look out for that scene. But you have to appreciate the vision that Alfonso for this movie um, had and how he's portrayed it. And he pulled it off. And even with his other films, too. I mean, watching this again recently, I immediately put... An, uh, I just had a Alfonso Huron marathon. I watched Roma. I watched Gravity again. And even I'm going to watch the third Harry Potter again because you have glimpses of his trademarks. And I just... The preparation for a movie is amazing. And I really respect that. And it makes you want to watch the movie more. And it really makes you understand you know the the process that goes into making a film the film itself i mean because of its style offers many clues onto the development of this movie and who to trust and who not to trust and it's done with an outstanding uh, outstanding cast i mean especially clive owen who i believe besides one scene he's in every scene of this movie and of course he re- he reunites with um chiwetel ijiford in the same year in um the inside man with denzel and spike lee i think yeah so they worked in that film together and of course, Julianne Moore in this is basically playing the Janet Lee role in this film. She's actually the only American actor in this movie. Most of the others are British. I mean, if you watch the film carefully, you'll see a young Charlie Hunnam who makes an early role in this movie. Apparently, I think Alfonso saw him in Cold Mountain in that, and then he just called him up and said, do you want to be in this movie? And, um, and he said, yeah. And interestingly enough, both him and Clive Owen have both played King Arthur. So there's a nice little link there. And speaking of links, the film obviously offers many clues, like I said before, but it's full of biblical imagery and references and subtle nods. I mean, it's a story about a baby with the potential to save the whole world, which draws Mary, you know, that's Mary and Jesus, isn't it? Uh, We even learn of the pregnancy in a stable, which is where Mary gave birth to Jesus. And his first reaction is Jesus Christ. And she jokingly says she's a virgin, again, drawing parallels to the Bible, more specifically Mary. The name of the rebels are the fishes. Uh, that The fish symbol is the Christianity symbol. And even like most people's names have relevance to them and to the plot of the movie. Theo, uh, the main character, is a Greek word for God. And even the title Children of Men is a quotation from the Bible as well. But in the end, the journey continues with this hope that this baby's quest is to save humanity but we see this g uh, we see this journey from theo's side it's basically a modern retelling of the birth of jesus in some way or form and the vantage point of the sacrifice of this prophet if you will 
And another thing that I saw in this movie was like, I was like, oh, okay. So the reason Theo is pretty depressed and doesn't give a shit about anything is because he lost a child and that, and that gave him the reason in this movie to, um, you know, help another child. But, um, yeah, there's an interesting bit, which I didn't realize before, but Michael Caine's character said that they lost their child to a virus pandemic in 2008, which apparently we did have at the end of 2008. And this is another thing that the movie got right. Of course, we now have an even bigger pandemic on our hands. This movie came out 14 years ago. So I consider this a film that was ahead of its time, most likely in you know the diegetic world in the movie as basically guessed of things that have happened you know the 2012 olympics where they guessed that in the movie the shard they got that spot on in this virus pandemic which we did have in 2008 but they didn't say anything about this one in 2020 but if you haven't seen children of men you're just letting one of the classics just go by you it's an amazing experience really grits you into the 2027 portrayal of the movie and the attention to detail like i need to tell you again with everything going on in the background is next to perfect from the newspaper articles that are flown around on the floor to the clothing of the main protagonist to the to the names of all the main characters to the uh the background in the army scenes the pregnancy scenes to the way things are lit up it's just it's just everywhere and i just love that they've paid attention to the background but look that's all i have time for with children and men it's a classic in my opinion a film that will probably look be looked back in 40 years time as a generational shift in cinema um but i consider this a film to be very important um in terms of how to make a film as well but yes please subscribe to my podcast on itunes spotify and google and you can also find me on instagram film exploration ah or lowercase or one word and thank you for listening to film exploration with ash hurry